the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. Today, we have the legendary Bob Berg. And for those of you who haven't heard of or met Bob Berg before, he wrote one of the international bestsellers, The Go-Giver. Um, I definitely remember reading it in college, how much I enjoyed the book. And so the fact that I'm able to host him today um, is very honorable. So in case you don't know about uh, Bob... For over 30 years, he has successfully showed entrepreneurs, leaders, sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their business growth. Although he's best known for his sales classic, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann that has created a worldwide movement. And while it's a four-book series, it has sold more than 1 million copies, been translated in 30 languages. It was a top 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written, and was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Bob is the founder of the Go-Giver Community Network, a one a first-of-its-kind online business community. And he's an advocate, supporter, defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. And finally, he's an unapologetic animal fanatic, served on the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida, and on top of all that, if that doesn't pump you up, just wait for this interview. And so with that said, Bob, one of the first things we want to ask today is what's the biggest and best business deal you're most proud of? Uh, gosh, um, I mean, I think anytime you hear from somebody that you made a difference in their business through either your content or a, a live presentation or podcast or, you know, something that they heard that they took and they applied, but yeah, I, I think it's a great feeling. Right. And certainly teaming up with John David Mann uh, for the Go-Giver uh, book. John was the co-author, but really the lead writer. He's the storyteller. And uh, in the success we've had with that, it's it's been a nice feeling. That's awesome. Is there any specific examples that, that come to mind? You're like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing when uh, this person was able to make this happen. Uh, you know, I think hearing there, there's there's one um uh, that just, that just hits me as you, as you say that. And it was about an entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur in uh, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area who, uh, had a roofing business. And at the time there was a downturn in the economy and he and his fellow roofers were all suffering and, and they were all kind of doing the same thing. They were pulling back on the value they were offering because money was tight and things were right. So they were trying to get the most for the least. Well, you know, that's not how customers want to do business because they're not, uh, customers aren't buying from us because we want the money, but because they feel they're going to receive value. So that wasn't working for them. Well, he uh, read the book, someone had referred it to him, the go-giver. And he said, gosh, I'm doing this backwards. I've got to find ways to create more value in ways that don't cost money, but ways that can still. And so what he did was, and I thought this was brilliant of him. He found a way to, to, um, to work with the insurance companies to understand the system of how they paid quickly and how they, they, um, what he did is he learned how to navigate the insurance aspect of roof repair. 
So now he would go to, to people who, who had roofs that needed repair. And it wasn't, he didn't ask, do you need your roof repaired? He knew they needed it repaired. It was, I can show you how to do this in such a way that you get all the money that is due to you in the quickest amount of time possible. So he found a way, right, to bring immense value to them in a way that, that others hadn't thought of and his business really soared. To me, uh, that just, wow, you know, when I, when I read that. No, that, that, that's so cool. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you find a lot of fulfillment in what you do. Just like, I'm sure you get a lot of letters and emails of people thanking you for the advice of just uh, rather than thinking about, um, you know, how can I make money? It's how can I go above and beyond to offer value and to actually help serve this person, especially in creative ways they haven't heard of before um, and be able to experience that. So that, that's definitely so cool. And when um, they do that, they make more money. And that's the neat thing. That's why that's why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value, right? Mm -hmm. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means really nothing. And you know this because this is what you teach and this is what you help your clients to do. It's it's knowing that the focus must be on that other person, on bringing value to them, right? When you do that, the money comes for, and for not for woo woo way out there reasons, but for natural reasons, right? Um, you know, again, we were talking about earlier, people don't do business with you because you have a quota to meet, right? Yeah. They don't do business with you because you need the money or even because you're just, just because you're a nice person. They do business with you because they believe that ultimately they are going to benefit. They're going to be better off by doing business with you than by not doing business with you. And in a free market-based economy, meaning simply that no one's forced to do business with anyone else, that's yeah. the reason they're going to do business. So when your focus is on providing immense value to them, okay, now you've created what we call that benevolent context for your success. And the money you receive is simply the natural result of the value you've provided. Yeah, I love that. That, that makes so much sense. Um, and kind of makes me want to ask the next question, too, is, uh, you know, it's um, unfortunate that, you know, I still talk to people every day, well, even whether it's in Zoom or in person. <laughs> and uh, whenever I bring up the word sales, it, it always, always immediately makes people flinch and go, oh, hmm. because they right. still immediately think of the, the used car salesman, like, oh, yeah, I remember getting sold by, a bad car by this guy for half the price. Uh, and so I'm curious, what, what would you say to, if you're speaking to a room, I'm sure you've spoken to this room before, but uh, for this interview, if, you, if you're speaking to a room of both used car salesmen and your, your average person who's familiar with the word sales, what would you say about them to help shape, um, change the shift around the mindset of sales in general? Well, so let's look at that mindset because you bring up an important point. Um, you know, when, when people say things like, oh, I could never be in sales or I don't like selling. It's not that they don't like selling, it's that they don't like what they think selling is, mm, right? Mm -hmm. So too many people have that, that preconceived notion that selling is about trying to convince someone to buy something they don't uh, need, right, or, or want. Well, that's not selling. That's called being a con artist, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and who wants to do that? If you have good values, who wants to, to do that? Nobody. So you know, selling can be really defined, Andrew, as simply discovering what the other person does need, does want, does desire, mm -hmm. and helping them to get it. Uh, you know, the old English root of the word sell is salan, 
but which meant to give. So when you're selling, you're literally giving. Now, someone might say, well, okay, that's Feinberg. That's really clever, but isn't that just semantics? And I don't think so. And the reason why is this. Let's say you are in the selling situation where you have a prospective customer or client in front of you. And whether you sell used cars or new cars or whether you sell widgets or MacGuffins or you sell whatever it happens to be. So you're in a selling situation. What are you giving? I suggest you're giving time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and ultimately immense value. When we look at selling this way, now we can see it as something that is is benevolent and something that that is a service to others. So that's you know that's that's what I would say to anybody, uh, regardless of how they approach sales right now or or what they think of sales at this time. No, I I love that, and uh, it also kind of reminds me too. You know. Um, you know, we, we live in a world where yeah, it, it is unfortunate that, uh, you know, we get more cold calls, uh, like Americans specifically get more cold calls um, in a day than like Europeans get in three months. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, we all have received those DMs, those calls, those messages from people. You're like, I don't know who you are. Why are you already trying to sell me on something? But also, of course, you know, people want to put food on the table. And so, of course, you know, as someone who is an international bestseller, you're a keynote speaker, you've built uh, several successful businesses and help other people do it. How do you help to differentiate when uh, you're responding to people or not um, and whether you're even willing to consider their offer, uh, essentially? Well, first, you know, I'm probably one of the few who when I receive a a, a, um, a, a call uh, from someone I don't know, I'm always polite because I'm polite to everyone. But it doesn't mean I'm going to do business with them. I'm probably not. And and but you know I I realize if they're on the phone dialing for dollars, uh, I realize they're you know they are trying to make a living and they're doing what they're doing. And and so I don't think there's ever any reason to be you know to be rude and to uh, and so forth. But by the same token, you know I'm a consumer and I'm only going to buy what I'm interested in buying because I believe it's something that's that I want, need, or desire. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like anything else. If you are if you're making calls, reaching out, doing what have you, you've got to be able to to grab someone's attention in a way that they're going to be interested. Uh, it's very difficult to do that in in a lot of with a lot of cold reach out. You know, my friend uh, Art Subcheck, who probably is the you know today's leading authority on telephone sales, he says you know it's a difference between cold calls and smart calls. You know, cold calling and smart calling. And that is now I'm not talking about the person who's just randomly dialing for dollars. They can't make smart calls. It, it is a matter of they're just trying to find people who are interested in, you know, and so forth. But as a as a uh, person who's making outbound calls as you are prospecting for new uh, business, uh, it's so much more helpful, assuming, you know, you have a marketplace that you're working and while while all people are individuals and have their different needs, wants, and desires, if you've chosen your your niche carefully and you've researched it and you know it, there's a good chance you're going to be able to know what it is they're basically looking for. Now, if you can do your research, whether it's through LinkedIn or other sources, and know enough about the person you are calling or about their position to know how to approach it, everything you do that's smart, that's right, as as you know, as as uh, Art would say in smart calling. Everything you're doing correctly takes you one step further 
to being able to open a door and not just face that, you know, that, that rejection. Uh, now, once you have, if you have the right person and you, you have the right opening question to elicit their interest, and then you have your statement that can help them see very quickly why it might be in their best interest to know more. Now you have a place to begin. Mm. So again, it really is just a matter of, of approaching it in the correct way, uh, which doesn't guarantee you anything other than you've increased the odds of, of the right result. Yeah, no, I, I love that too. And uh, that's so fascinating. We mentioned the root word of the word sale is pronounced salon. So yeah, S-E-L-L-A-N, Salan or Salan. Oh, yeah. Salan, Salan is, is to give. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I know the Wolf of Wall Street is like, sell me this pen is like, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but. <laughs> that, I saw cool. that clip. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, and of course, like, you know, some people sit, brag about selling ice to an Eskimo. And it's just kind of like, well, that's great. But like you said, too, like make sure it's something they actually want or they need and like they, they can benefit from versus um, trying to, yeah, it doesn't make sense to do that. And that kind of brings me to my next question, too, is I'm curious uh, if there's any, and obviously uh, I was going to ask for like the worst pitch you've ever received, but I think we all know what that looks like. So I'm curious, uh, what's one of the best quote unquote cold pitches you've ever received either by phone or email that like, you're like, I can't say no to this. <laughs> Uh, I think it's just anything where it was something that I was in the market for or could be in the market for, you know, there's been many of them. And again, if it's something that I, that interests me, I'm going to say, yeah, tell me more. Absolutely. Interesting. So have you, like, have you ever received like an email or a phone call? Like, uh, I see you're wearing a nice sweater right now. Like, Oh, check out this. I just uh, created this new brand new sweater. I know you're, you Bob are going to love this personally. It sounds, it's going to keep you warm and uh, keep you good looking too. Like, um, has it, or has it always, always been business, um, but what's the word, uh, business opportunities that you can join in or what, anything that comes to mind that stands out? So here, here's the thing. If it's an email that is a, a spam, okay. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not, even if I like what they might be offering, I'm not going to do it. Cause I don't, mm -hmm. I don't believe in spam and I, I don't want to reward that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's the same if, if somebody on LinkedIn sends me a connection request which I always accept. And I, uh, I mean, unless it's so obvious that it's, you know, but I accept it and I always write back a, a note, you know, thank you for connecting with me, but you know, and so forth. Now, if, if two seconds later, right, I get back, uh, you automated know, message you know, an automated <laughs> message or yeah. whatever and it's, Hey, we have blah, blah, blah. Now really, I don't care in this case what they're selling, no matter how much I might be interested, mm -hmm. I'm not doing it because I, again, I'm just not going to reward that type of type of action. But if someone approaches in the correct way, then, you know, then sure. You know, again, it's always going to come down to the customer, the prospective customer, me in this case, uh, thinking, well, is this something that I would be interested in? <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's not it's not really any more complicated than that. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, it makes sense. And uh, and I also want to applaud you, too. Like even my uh, my wife, you know, she has 30 unread messages. She rarely checks her, her social media. And so the fact that you're able to go, no, it's okay. I'll accept the message. I'll see what they're about. And then uh, from there you set the boundary, the with the barrier entry versus like not even accepting people. So, so props to you for that. And uh, for the next question, I'm curious too, you know, as someone, you're definitely someone who a lot of people have said, oh, you, you, you've made it. You, you've reached the top. You're like, you're, you're where people want to be. They, they strive to, to get there. 
but he also seems like your guy who uh, who's always growing, always learning. And you're like, no, no, there's always more people to reach, always more people to help. How much time and effort do you spend still thinking about the value that you can offer each day and, and why? Um, so I've never felt like I've reached the top. I mean, I've had some successes and I've had some failures and over 30 years, I've had some good successes and I'm very grateful for it. I, you know, try not to compare myself to others who've been much more successful, right? But yeah. I try to compare myself to to my potential and where I can uh, do better and so forth. Yeah, I'm always grow- growing and improving. And I think one of the, the reasons why I love what I do so much, and I'll, I'll be 65 next month, and uh, you know, the reason why I, I still do what I do is because it's a lot of fun. And I think mm-hmm. a big part of the fun with me is feeling that the message that I, I bring is of value to people. And so, yeah, I'm always looking for ways to reach more people with more value, just like we talk about in the book. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's fun for me. You know, that's something that I, I enjoy. I get a charge from. So uh, do you have yeah. a, uh, like a daily routine or weekly routine? Like I focus on how I can help others every morning from 8am to 9am. And then once a week I review the tasks from the week. Uh, do you have any routines around uh, these? I, I have routines. I wouldn't put it in, in a way that, yeah, I'm going to help others from this or that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't think I, I see myself in that light, you know, as a, Oh, I'm going to help others to, I think I hopefully do that through my work. Yeah. Um, but I don't put myself on that kind of pedestal by any, by any means, but yeah, I mean, I have my routines from the moment I get up to, to, uh, uh, to when I go to sleep really, but it's not, it's not one that, that constricts me. It's one that kind of frees me up. So I kind of always know what I'm, you know, what, what I'm doing and, and, uh, and when, but especially yeah. that early morning, I'm up at four 30 and, uh, I just enjoy it. You know, I, I, I never got up that early when I was a kid, I was always a, you know, five 30, a person, but as I've gotten older, I, I like getting up earlier because uh, I can get things done before the day really starts for people. You know, I, I read voraciously, so uh, I'm always doing that. And uh, yeah, you know, and then the the things I need to do, whether it's preparing for a uh, for a talk that I'm doing, or we have uh, my business partner Kathy Tajanel and I have our upcoming um, uh, Gogur Success Alliance Beyond the Mastermind, which is an in-person event uh, coming up at the ed in the third week of January. So there's a lot of prep for that because it's just eight people. So we go very deep into their businesses. So I need to know about them and be able to mm-hmm. know. So, you know, I, but so all those things I just do as a part of, uh, as a part of my work. But again, as long as I, I love it, I'll keep doing it. No, did you just say too that uh, you don't consider five thirty in the morning early? Five <laughs> <laughs> thirty used to be, you know. Oh, yeah, I see. Because I said, yeah, I used to be a five thirty riser. Yeah, I, I, I guess that is. But then you put four thirty to it, and five thirty doesn't seem too bad. It's no, that makes sense. Until five thirty sometimes. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome, um, and that's so cool too. That uh, it comes naturally. That like you don't have to like make it a habit or make it a routine. Like you. You've built that skill, you've built that muscle that you know, as long as you go throughout your day, figuring out how can I offer value to people, how can I give back, you know, it's it's gonna happen. You don't have to worry about, oh, if I don't do it at 8 a.m. in the morning, it's not gonna happen. Like it sounds like it comes naturally to you then. I think we create systems in our lives if we or processes, if we choose to, that allows it to become natural. You know what I'm saying? It 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 doesn't give us the the option to do the things that are uh, counterproductive, if you will, you know, it's why I don't bring Oreo cookies into the house. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> try to create a system where if I'm really if I'm gonna have an Oreo cookie, and when I say an Oreo cookie, I mean the entire box. Oh uh, no, you're one of I those guys. You eat a whole car. bar at once. Yeah, I have to go get in the car, go to the store. Go, you know what I'm saying? Because if they were in the house, I would eat them. So, so I I try to create systems and processes that that gear me toward the the best decisions. Right, oh, as opposed that. to just allowing me to 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 delve into the the wrong ones. No, it makes sense. Um, so now we've got uh, ten minutes left here, um, or eight eightish minutes, and I want to try and tackle three different subjects. Obviously, these are their own interviews on themselves. But the first one is I'd love for you to talk about mentorship. What's the best way to find a men mentor, and uh, what should someone not do when trying to find a mentor? Well, I think mentorship is very important because the right mentor or mentors can really cut your learning curve by years, right? But it can be, you know, it can be difficult if if it's not approached the right way. Um, I think what a lot of people do, which is counterproductive, is they'll they'll approach someone who they'd like to have mentor them, and you know they don't necessarily have a relationship with this person, and they just say. Hey, will you mentor me? Or I need a mentor. Will you mentor me? Well, there's a, a couple of things or a few things that are, I think, um, not helpful when doing it that way. First, if you want this person to mentor you, there's a good chance many others do as well. And there's nothing in just coming right out and asking them to mentor you that distinguishes you from everybody else. In fact, it could really come across as entitled just asking someone you don't know, but it's sort of like saying, Hey, will you share 30 or 40 years of your wisdom with me, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall, uh, to put it in another way that we've often heard. It's like asking, uh, someone to marry you, uh, before asking for a date. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I think a, a mentor protege relationship is just that it's a relationship and it's something that builds over time. So, so I don't think asking in that way is usually productive. Now that said, you really can approach practically anyone, but I think you do it a different way. So if you were to say to this person, and again, it could be, uh, email or phone or, or, um, in person, what would have you, um, but to say, I know you are very busy. So if this is something you either don't have time to do or for any reason would rather not, I'll absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, when you ask like that, you've you've done a couple of, of um, important things. One is, again, you respected the process. Uh, you didn't just assume that they owe you their, you know, their advice or their their wisdom. Okay. You also gave them an out or back door, which is important. You said if you're just too busy to do this or for any reason would rather not, I'll totally understand the out or back door An out or back door is simply an emotional escape route that you give someone. The bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. The reason is people want to have that control and autonomy. They don't want to feel pressured or pushed into something. So by not backing them into a corner, okay, you're you're making them feel more comfortable, but also they know that if you're the type to be that considerate, to give them the out, that you're also the type that's going to be a lot more conscious of their time and so forth. Now, the third thing you did in that is rather than just asking if you could, you know, pick their brain or, you know, just meet with them and which, you know, they don't know, again, they don't know you well, they don't know, you've said, 
if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. This tells them that first you have an agenda, uh, agenda in a good way. Uh, I don't mean an agenda, but you know, yeah. you know, this person knows what they want to ask. They're not going to waste my time. They're going to right. they know. And so that says to them, it's not going to take a lot of their time and it's going to be a fruitful conversation. Right. It's yeah. one or two very specific questions. So usually they'll not, not always, but usually they'll say, sure, you know, go ahead. What can I do? Or let's set up a time, what have you. Now you want to be respectful of their time. You want to make sure you research them so thoroughly that you don't ask them a question. The answer to which you could have found out just by doing your research because that will, right. But um, you have a, a brief, but, but good conversation. You thank them profusely, let them know. Uh, how much you, uh, you value that. And if it's okay with you, I'll check back uh, and, you know, down the line, let you know how things are going. They're going to say, sure, please absolutely do that. Now, immediately after the meeting or a call or Zoom or whatever it happens to be, I would write a handwritten personalized thank you note, short and sweet. Just, you know, uh, again, thank you so much for taking your time and sharing such immense wisdom. It's invaluable. Uh, I look forward to applying uh, your suggestions right away and we'll, you know, circle back or we'll, you know, we'll let you know how we'll keep you abreast of how things are coming along. Best regards, sign your name. You put it in an envelope, hand stamp it, you send it that day. Also, a, a really good idea is to make a small donation. It doesn't have to be anything big, a small donation to their favorite charity or cause. You can find that out easily by reading an article online or, you know, research or call their admin and just ask whatever. Um, make the donation in their name. It'll get back to them. You're not doing it to kiss up or anything, but again, just to show that you respect the process, you appreciate them, and that even though you're not in a position to give value to them like they are to you, you want to do your best to respect them and so forth. Now, a couple of weeks later, three weeks later, whatever, you might have some result you can share or might have maybe another question and so forth. You know, again, you approach it like that in a way that makes them feel very comfortable. And again, it might over time develop into a protege uh, or a mentor protege relationship. Now, it might not. It might be that was the only time you were going to talk to them or maybe a couple more times and then there's someone else and someone and you, you don't know. The key is to go about the process correctly, but don't be attached to the result, right? And uh, and you'll find that, you know, and as you continue to try to always add value to those who help you in any way, you'll find that that there's always going to be people there that are going to that are going to be there to help you. I love that. That's such a good answer, and so many golden golden nuggets about you know giving people an out, making sure you donate to their charity, do handwritten notes. Like it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, imagine that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, final final couple questions uh, for today. Uh, I know this show is called Rapid Results, and so someone said, Bob, I need to make a sale today. I, I'm a coach, or I'm a um, I'm a plumber, or I'm, I'm an architect. How can I get a sale today? using your methods and skills. So if you need to make a sale today, then you need to find a way to add value mm. to someone today. It comes down to that. Remember, nobody's going to buy from you because you need the sale. Okay. Yeah. So you've got to find a way. If it's really today that you need that sale, you need a way to find a, to give value and communicate that value effectively to that other person. 
I love it. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, everyone listening in, I'm going to put the uh, ways to contact Bob in the chat. It's also listed on his website. Um, you could definitely make sure to go to the gogiver.com. Uh, you can find more of uh, Bob's information, community, ways to book him. And then Bob, final question, what's the one takeaway you want people to have from this interview today? Well, and can I give you actually another uh, um, website address? My main website's oh. berg, B-U-R-G.com. Yes. Very simple. Yeah. Uh, that too. Yeah. Thank you. So I would say this. This is something that uh, years ago, in fact, it was almost 40 years ago. That's how long ago it was that, that somebody shared with me. I was in a selling slump and I was a young salesperson and my focus, you know, in getting out of the slump rather than my focus being on my customers, my focus was really on myself and getting out of the slump. Well, we know people don't buy from you because you need to get out of a slump, right? That's <laughs> yeah. not what was in my, on my mind. And he said to me, you know, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in, in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And, you know, Andrew, that's when it really hit me that great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service, as important as those are. It's not what it's about. Great salesmanship is about the other person, that person whose life you're trying to bring value to. In fact, we could really say it this way. Great salesmanship is about another person's life being better just because you are part of it. Mm. And I think that when we approach selling, salan, right, selling, from that foundational premise, now we're really nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. I love that. I love that. That's such uh, amazing wisdom to end on. So yeah, definitely make sure to get Bob's book, The Go-Giver, reread it again. I know I'm going to reread it uh, again. And just uh, so many amazing insights. And of course, the other books in the series, I got to get to those too. Um, but uh, Bob, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And everyone, make sure to check out Bob's website, berg.com, to help you with your endeavors. And with that said, we'll see you all in the next episode of Rapid Results. Thank you, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.